Thank you, Tzipa. As always, good morning, everyone. We're doing Sicha Gimel, Parshas Pinchas, Chelek Yudchas Nukutis Sichas. We're learning Leschus Rav Yosef Yitzchak Ben Sima Chasya that he should have Rafua Shalema Ukreva. And uh, for those of us who were on last week, this is another Sicha in which the Rebbe connects the Haftarah to the, to the Parsha. Aleph. Benegel haftayr shel tlasa dipuranusa. Beshiva dinechemta. Regarding the haftayrs that we're beginning, there, a, there are two series of haftayrs. First, there will be three haftayrs that will speak regarding punishment, puranius, and uh, uh, negative events that will befall the Jews, which will be followed by seven shiva dinechemta, seven haftaras that speak of comfort and solace. So the Rebbe says, regarding these haftaras, it has already been explained multiple times, that although these particular haftaras are not necessarily linked thematically to the Parsha, but rather have to do with the time and the events of this particular time, Mikomakaim, still in all, Kevon Shakolin Yoni Beterahim Betachlis Hadiuk, but because everything having to do with Torah is very, very specific, move on, it's understood, Shagam Lahafteris Elu Yeshaikus, Loi Raklisman Ulimura, Elagam Le Parshius Ater Shakurim Bais Hasman. So it's understood once we, our point of departure is that everything in Torah is extremely specific, um, that these Hafteris have to have a Shaykhus, they have to have a connection, they have to be relevant not only uh, regarding the time and the events that took place in this particular calendrial time, but also to the Parshias themselves that we are reading during this time. And in fact, the Rebbe says, we find a clear connection between the Haftar of our Parsha, which begins with the words of Yirmiyahu. And in the beginning of the Haftar, it speaks of how Yirmiyahu came to be a Navi, how he came to be a prophet. And the Rebbe says that there's a clear connection between that and Parshas Pinchas. What is the connection? Isa b'medrash, the medrash teaches, shehem Pinchas behem Yirmiyahu yatsu mimishpachas nachria. That both Pinchas and Yirmiyahu emerged, were descendants of non-Jewish families. Pinchas mibas putiel. Pinchas is a descendant of one of the daughters of Yisrael. Putiel is one of Yisrael's seven names. And Yirmiyahu is actually a descendant of the children of the children, meaning the grandchildren of Rachav, of uh, prostitution fame. And because of their lineage, Bnei Yisrael spoke disparagingly about both Pinchas and Yirmiyahu. 
So to redress this situation regarding how B'nai Yisrael were belittling uh, both Pinchas and Yirmiyahu, Hashem came and he ascribed the lineage of Pinchas to Aaron HaKayim. Like it says at the very beginning of our Parsha, Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron HaKayim. Pinchas, the son of Elazar, the son of Aaron HaKayim. And in like manner, when it comes to the lineage of Yirmiyahu, the Pasuk there says, Divri Yirmiyahu ben Chilkiyahu min HaKayhanim b'goymer. That these are the words of Yirmiyahu as the son of Chilkiyahu, who uh, was descendant of Koyhanim. Okay, so the Rebbe says, Amnam bor hadavar, shahashaychaz b'neim he'inarak b'frat yachid. Although the Medrash tells us that the connection between Yirmiyahu and Pinchas is that they both share this particular attribute of being descended from non-Jewish families, and uh, the Medrash tells us how the Ebeshter sought to redress this, but the Rebbe says, okay, so it's clear that there is this, um, this strong linkage between them in this one particular detail. That for both of them, B'nai Yisrael belittled them, embarrassed them, and because of this, we see that the Torah comes to state their yichas and to attribute their yichas to, uh, to great um, prestige, meaning the Kohanim, and in the case of Pinchas, to Aaron and specifically. But the Rebbe says, but there has to be more than that. But it has to be that the link um, is more global, that, that the way in which they're thematically linked has to do with the general content of their Aveda. But rather that the way in which they are similar in, in a very, very basic way, in a very, very general way, comes to um, revealed expression in this particular detail. And therefore, in the Torah Baal Peh, this particular detail um, is taught to us. So we could take a lesson from these last few lines of the Sikha that in general, everything that we learn in a Medrash, everything that we learn in the Gemara, that everything in Tershah Baal Peh, if it's about a detail, we have to think, okay, let's zoom out and see what this detail is really telling us, instead of kind of getting lost in the detail itself. The Dorish beer. So the episode, so this, this necessitates explanation. Mahi hashaychus haklolos benidun didan. So what in fact is the more global, the general connection between Pinchas and Yirmiyahu? What is the general connection in this case? Si'if base. Oit sarat lahavin. We also have to understand as shaychusa shel tchilas haftayre divri Yirmiyahu we also have to understand how the very beginning of the Haftarah has a thematic connection to the idea that these three Haftarahs are Haftarahs that come to speak of Puranius, of negative things that will befall B'nai Yisrael. Why? So Rebbe tells us what's at the very beginning of this week's Haftarah. 
Bechelka Harishan Shal Haftarah, in the very beginning of the Haftarah, Mesupar Ketzad Nasir Yemiyol and Navi. We hear the, the story of how Yemiyo, the, the antecedents of Yemiyo becoming a Navi. Um, the Navi tells us, by Hidbar Hashem Eli Leimor. Hashem's words came to me saying, Biterem et Sarcha Bebeten Idhaticha. Before I formed you in the stomach, in, the, in utero, I knew you, etc. Navi Lagoyim Nisaticha. I already gave you, meaning I already had a mind that you would be a prophet to the nations. And then we have the words of Yermio in response to Hashem saying, you've already been earmarked for, for greatness from, from before your conception. So Yermio answers, I don't know how to speak. I don't know how to be a prophet. Because I am just a young lad. So Hashem replied, don't call yourself a young lad. Don't say, I am a young lad. See, I have assigned you upon the nations to uproot and to crush and subsequently to build and to plant. Meaning there is greatness that I have ascribed to you already. So don't um, belittle yourself. And only after this dialogue, dialogue, this back and forth between Hashem and Yirmiyahu comes the Nevua about the eventual destruction of the Beis HaMikdash that will come to B'nai Israel because of all the evil that they were engaged in. And it will come like an almond rod just like almonds um, grow very, very quickly, the, the Chorban will come very, very quickly. And because of Yirmiyahu's nivua about this destruction that will come so quickly upon B'nai Yisrael, the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, therefore this Haftarah is included in the three Haftarahs having to do with the Peronius, with the negative events that will befall B'nai Yisrael. Ve'ena muvan. So it's not understood. How is this preface, how is this dialogue that traces the antecedents of Yermiyahu's prophecy, how is this connected to this, the, the nevuah about the destruction of the base Hamikdash. So, so far, the Rebbe has asked two questions. Number one, what is really the connection between Yemiyoh and Pinchas? Not just on that level of one detail that they both were descendants of non-Jews and they both suffered belittling, um, uh, belittlement on the part of the Jews and how Hashem came to redress that in Sukkim, but what is really the connection? And the second question so far is, what is the connection between the beginning of the Haftarah and the meat and potatoes of the Haftarah, which is the Chorban, Gimel? So Rebbe said, first, let's look at the connection and the similarity, the general similarity between Pinchas and Yemiya. So Rebbe says, B'mei Shnehem, in both of their eras, 
the Jews were found in a lowly spiritual state. In the times of Pinchas, in the goings on of Pinchas' life, we have the terrible sin of the Baal Par, uh, which began with the Jews getting involved with the women of Mayav. And at the time of Yirmiyahu, we had the prophets of the Baal, and we find many details in the Nebuahs of Yirmiyahu regarding the situation, the spiritual situation of the Jews in that time. And both Pinchas and Yirmiyahu aroused the Jews to Tshuva. Yirmiyahu be'emtsoz divri musar. Yirmiyahu did so through the agency of words of reprimand. U Pinchas, and Pinchas did this, and Pinchas jolted the Jews, you could say shock therapy, into Shuva through um, his killing Zimri, and doing it in such a way that all of B'nai Yisrael were witness that he had killed them for a very good reason. And Rashi explains that he had put his, he had pierced his spear through both of their bodies as they were still locked in um, an intimate position. So it was very clear to B'nai Yisrael exactly what the sin was. And upon seeing this, B'nai Yisrael were catapulted into tshuva. And the Rebbe says, and through this we understand what the Pasuk is underscoring regarding what Pinchas did when it says that he was zealous for me, among them, which would seem to be extraneous and unnecessary. The Rebbe says, like all the Mepharshim ask, that the word seems to be unnecessary. But through this, the Pasuk intimates that the zealousness of Pinchas actually entered and penetrated their consciousness. Hainu, meaning, it aroused amongst B'nai Yisrael a, uh, a movement of tshuva, and this led to their atonement. So sometimes you could lay witness to something, but it doesn't really penetrate into your consciousness. It doesn't move you to particular action. But what happened here with with um, Pinchas, the way he did it is that it's, it moved the Jews very deeply. But the Rebbe says, but this is not enough to actually explain to us the particular and specific connection between Pinchas and Yemiyahu. Because this matter, to arouse B'nai Yisrael that are found in a lowly spiritual level, this is not specific only to Pinchas and Elio. I'm sorry, to Pinchas and Yirmiyo. In fact, we find this by many Jewish leaders, specifically and especially the other prophets.
So there has to be something more specific that links Yirmiyo and Pinchas. The connection has to lie in the unique way in which they, in particular, different from the other Jewish leaders, bought B'nai Yisrael to tshuva, aroused B'nai Yisrael to tshuva. So in order to explain this, in um, Si'ib Dalit, Rebbe is going to take a, what seemingly a detour in order to explain this um, more to us. And he's going to explain the Indian hachilot ben nebuas Yishayahu ben nebuas Yirmiyahu. He's going to explain the difference between Yishayahu and Yirmiyahu. And regarding the difference, Isa b'Gemara, the Gemara teaches, Yirmiyahu chule chorvana. Yirmiyahu's prophecies are all about the destruction of the Beit, the Batei Mikdash. V'Yishayahu chule nechemta. And Yishayahu is all about comforting us. Nevuas Yirmiyahu, Isekes b'Chorban Beis Hamikdash b'Golos. The Nevuah of Yirmiyahu is concerned with the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash and the subsequent Golos. V'Ilu Nevuas Yishayahu v'Inin HaYeshua v'Al Yada HaNechama. And Nevuas Yishayahu is concerned with the salvation and the word Yeshua, salvation is etymologically linked with his name, Yeshayahu, and the comfort that comes to us through the salvation. And in fact, this is intimated in their names. Yeshayahu miloshen Yeshua, v'yirmiyahu kailel v'teichai oisiois mar miloshen merius. Yeshayahu is connected to the word Yeshua, salvation, and, uh, and, and Yirmiyahu, on the other hand, the name includes the words mar, bitterness. Oi beloshen chazal, or alternatively, like our sages taught us, belama nikra Yirmiyahu. Why was he named Yirmiyahu? Shebiyamav nase Yerushalayim armaya. Because in his days, Yerushalayim became a ruin, a chorva. And so therefore his name was Yirmiyahu, um, linked to the Aramaic Armaya. And the difference that we have delineated above regarding their prophecy is directly connected to the time in which they spoke their prophecy. Admor, and in the terminology of my father-in-law, the Fetika Rebbe, Yirmiyo Chai Bizman Shel Dechia Vehester. Yirmiyo lived in a time of rejection, in a time when Bnei Yisrael were repelled and godliness was concealed. Ve'ilo Yishayo Chai Bizman Shel Giluyim. And Yishayo lived in a time of spiritual manifestation and revelation. And therefore, so the content of Yirmiyahu's Nevuah is all about being pushed away and Hashem being obfuscated, and the Nevuah of Yishayahu, and the Nevuah of Yishayahu is all about revelation. It's about consolation and redemption. 
והגם שנבואות ישעיהו כוללת אף היא ריבוי דברי תוכחה לבני ישראל אחת האם. And although the Rebbe is kind of anticipating that we might push back and say, well, if you learn Yeshayahu, you'll see that there's a lot of words of reprimand to the Jews on their sins. Like we see in many of the parakim, in many of the chapters, and this is so much so the fact that, that Yishayahu um, also includes words of reprimand that the most, um, the most hachamura, uh, the worst one of the three hafteras that speak of negative things that will befall us actually comes from Yishayo. It begins with the words Chazan Yishayo. Afal Pikain, still in all, he mechuna kule nechemasa. Still in all, the words of Yishayo are considered and are called by our sages being completely about comfort. Why? Mipnei shetoichasai, shetoichasai, because his toichacha, his reprimand, because his words of tshuva brought to a tikkun, to a to a fixing, to a redressing of the spiritual plight and to tshuva through the words of comfort, through the giluyim. The way in which he prompted bnei Yisrael was not through negativity but through giluyim, through the, um, speaking in manifest form about the ka'ula that will come about through the tshuva of B'nai Yisrael. That was Yeshayahu's style. That was the content of Yeshayahu's nevuah. Masha Inkein, in contradistinction, Yirmiyahu pa'al hisayrus b'bnei Yisrael ba'ifin shel dechiyah v'hester. Yirmiyahu's, um, the content of his Nivoise. And the way in which he aroused B'nai Yisrael to tshuva was through kind of uh, rejecting, uh, repelling, and through obfuscation of Hashem. Al yidei tir ha-chorban, through describing the chorban, sheyavoy im lo yachzuru That will come upon them if they will not return in tshuva to Hashem. So Yeshayahu prompted them to tshuva through um, positive reinforcement, you could say, and Yirmiyahu prompted them to tshuva through a more harsh, and that was the word I was looking for before, um, when it says hachamura, the harshest, the harshest one of the three hafteras um, that are read beginning this Shabbos is chazan Yishayahu. But still in all, the overarching energy is one of giluyim, of, of revelation, of positivity, uh, whereas the one, the 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 nevuos of Yirmiyahu has a more negative, harsh uh, tone. V'zuhi hashayach has been Yirmiyahu Pinchas, and this is the more global connection between Yirmiyahu and Pinchas. At least this is the first level. The Rebbe is going to go into others. Sha'af Pinchas ki Yirmiyahu pa'al hakapar de bnei Yisrael ba'ifin shel dechia the Hester v'loy ba'ifin de Yiluim kedil kama. 
that year, that Pinchas, like Yirmiyahu, also effectuated the um, kapara, the atonement of Bnei Israel, through a modality of rejection and um, an obfuscation, hester of of, conceal, of concealment, and not in a way of revelation. Now, in in if hey, the Rebbe says we're going to really understand this by prefacing with something else. The Yuvan will really understand this through understanding what the Abish just said. That because Pinchas was able to stave off my wrath from upon Bnei Yisrael when he acted in zealous fashion among them, and because of this, I did not um, completely destroy Bnei Yisrael with my zealousness. And therefore, the Pasa continues, So the Torah continues to tell us that therefore Hashem gave him the schar of the covenant of peace. And this covenant will be to him and to his children, to his seed, to his ancestors after him. This covenant of priesthood will be forever, into perpetuity. Now, Milashin HaPasuk Mashma, so from the particular terminology of the verse, it's understood, that the main reason why Pinchas was Zeichet to this particular um, reward, it's because he was able to hold off Hashem's wrath from Pam B'nai Yisrael, and because of this, Hashem did not obliterate B'nai Yisrael. And the fact that he did it in zealous fashion, this seems to be a detail, maybe even in parentheses. It simply describes the way in which Pinchas went about his business. How he, it was that he was able to stave off Hashem's wrath. But it doesn't seem to be the main point. The Enumuvah, so the is not understood. The idea that a Meshavenu, um, the idea that a Jewish leader would stop Hashem from acting on his wrath and completely destroying B'nai Yisrael is very notably uh, attributed to Meshavenu. And it wasn't only once. This happened over and over again. Kim is super because of, like the Torah tells us, and if so, so what is so novel about Pinchas? That specifically Pinchas would get this huge um, reward of a covenant of peace because he stopped Hashem in his tracks instead of unloading his wrath upon B'nai Israel and killing them. But Moshe did this over and over again. Yisera Mizu, and even more than this, 
Not only do we not find that Moshe should receive a similar reward, a covenant of peace for him and for his seed after him, but on the contrary, on the contrary, we see that Hashem held back from giving him this type of reward. Kebir Chazal, like the Chazal tell us, the Medrash Tanchuma, ala mesupar lahalon beparsha, shebebekashas meishmekach brochu yifkait Hashem isha la'eda. The parsha continues to tell us that Moshe asked Hashem that he should appoint someone, a leader, upon the congregation. So the Medrash Tanchuma tells us that haisa kavanasai, that Moshe's intention was that my children should inherit my honor. He actually was saying those words to Hashem, was looking to Hashem to put his children next in line to take over his station. And Hashem did not agree to this. In fact, Hashem said to him, No. Your children are not going to inherit your position. Take Yeshua ben Nun, your very, very loyal student. So clearly, Moshe's greatness did not um, go over, didn't roll over to the next generation and to his seed, to his descendants afterwards. Why? So the third question that the Rebbe is asking in the Sicha is, what was the difference between the Avaida of Pinchas and the Avaida of Moshe that Pinchas should get such a unique, special schar, where it seems that Moshe did similar things, not the same, and staving off Hashem's wrath and fury and saving B'nai Yisrael from obliteration many times over, and yet he did not merit the same thing. And not only that, but his full-throated request that his children should take over, his position were rebuffed. In Vav, the Rebbe begins to explain. And don't worry, this is all going to circle back to the first two questions. So amongst the differences between the Avaid of Moshe and the Avaid of Pinchas, Aleph, Eitzel Moshe, Heishiv es Hamasi, Nifal al Yidei, Moshe prayed that Hashem's wrath should be calmed. He prayed for this, and his prayer caused to the dissipation of the evil decree. But this all came mil maila. It came from above. In contradistinction, when you look at what happened with Pinchas, But Pinchas's overture caused that the Yeshua and the Kapara and the Tshuva should come from the opposite direction, should come from below. 
because his avoidah, it wasn't a prayer, it was a physical action. His very active zealotry prompted the Bnei Yisrael to do teshuva, and through this came their kapara. So Moshe's avodah was milmaila lamata. He davened, and he prompted Hashem to give Bnei Yisrael kapara. Pinchas, on the other hand, is milmata lamaila. He catapulted the Jews into teshuva through not praying, through a very physical action that was bitoicham, that was done in such a way that he broadcasted his message and what had to be done here very publicly. And like the Rebbe says earlier, it really, really, it, it saturated their consciousness. It really, really penetrated them. Base. The second difference is, Moshe's Yatsev Uman Bnei Yisrael Ad Lemesiras Nefesh. We know this because he said, Moshe stood his ground with Mesir Nefesh. He said to Hashem, if you don't forgive my people, just erase me from, from your Torah. This was, the Rebbe says, Mesir Nefesh Mitzad Haneshama. This is a type of Mesir Nefesh where he was ready to give up his spirituality, his Neshama. But Pinchas acted in such a way that necessitated actual Messias Nefesh. They could have killed him. He very simply and actually placed his life in danger. And like Chazal tell us in Sifri and in Tanchuma, they sought, Shevet Shimon sought to kill him. And he was saved only through a tremendous miracle. So it's understood simply. That the fact that we don't find that Moshe placed himself in actual physical danger, it's not that Moshe was unwilling or not ready to do so. For sure, if the situation would have necessitated that Moshe put his life on the line, he would have done that. But the reason for why he did not do this, but he put his neshama on the line, is because because that was not the essence of who he was and what his avoida was about. Zion. To understand the, 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 the central point of the difference between the avoida of Moshe and avoida of Pinchas. The avoida of Moshe was in bringing down effluence from above to below, mitzad gilui or through revealing celestial lights and energies, vilu avodas pinchas haisa, but the avoda pinchas was bederach milmata lamaila, was to bring from below going upwards zichoch hamata. It was all about refining the lower realm vaha alasoi lamaila. 
and bringing it, elevating it upwards. And therefore, in the main, Moshe's Indian was Moshe received, and he received from above, from above going down, and he gave it over to his students. So again, it's all Milmaila Lamata. Lima Torah Bnei Yisrael, he learned Torah Bnei Yisrael. Megina and the Torah protects and prevents from being involved in unsavory elements. And this was the main Indian of Moshe. Sorry, going in the wrong direction. The Torah are because Torah is light, lights up your way, and are doichachaysha. And light dispels darkness. Aralakisha Latira, the the godly light of Torah, Payel Milmaila Lamata, it affects from above going downwards, Shahishekh Nitcha Meyalov Umimila, that the darkness should be pushed away, should be dispelled as a matter of course. Like the Rabbi always taught us that it's not that you have to beat the darkness with a broom. As soon as you light a candle, the, the darkness is dispelled as a, a naturally, as a matter of course. The ilu pinchas, a pinchas, however, oyer etzel bnei Yisrael alidei avodasi tnuah shel tshuva. But pinchas acted in the opposite way. He aroused amongst bnei Yisrael a movement of tshuva, but he did so shviras hachoshech by breaking the darkness va'alia v'chazora l'shem yisborach. And through this, elevating them and returning them to Hashem. The chain, the Rebbe says that this was not just in their avoida im hazulas, in their in their spiritual service with other people, with Bnei Yisrael. The chain who got im atzma, but it's also with their spiritual service, with their personal spiritual service. Moshe's Aveda was all about Nishama. And Pinchas's Aveda was bodily. The Rabbi says, when your Aveda is in the main, in dealing with the revelation of light, then the revelation of light is in the main relevant to the Shama. Because the neshama is the proper vessel for receiving giluyim, for receiving um, the open manifestation of spiritual lights. But here's the thing. The neshama can welcome and receive all of this spiritual light and effluence, but it does not penetrate the guf. It does not suffuse the mata, the lowly level. And even though you're right, if you're thinking, how could this be? Because whatever the neshama experiences has to have some effect on the body. But it can't happen that the guf, the guf itself, the guf qua guf should become a vessel to the light of the neshama. 
In other words, the Rebbe is saying that very many great things can happen but in the final analysis, it remains makif, it remains an overlay. It remains superimposed. It doesn't penetrate. But the work that begins below and goes upwards, he this work is in the main with the body. It is involvement with the lower strata, with this world, to refine it and to elevate it. And in this regard, there's an additional connection between Pinchas and Eliyahu. Like we know famously that Pinchas is Eliyahu. So there's another connection that is going to give us that speaks to this point that their Avaida, both of their Avaida is Mamata Lamaila. As is well known, that that the name Eliyahu and his Avoida, the name Eliyahu is the Gematria Nun base, has the Gematria of 52. What else has a Gematria of 52? So in Kabbalah and Hasidus speaks about the various ways in which the Shem Havaya could be written out bimilui. Bimili means when you take the letters of the shame and you write out each letter. So for instance, in the gematria nun base, in the gematria of the shame havaya, which we know the simple gematria is 26, the shame havaya, right? But when you write it bimili, there are various ways that you could write it bimili. In the way that you write it, in one of the ways, it's the gematria nun base. When you write Yud Vav Dalit, then you write Hey Hey, then you write Vav Vav, then you write again Hey Hey. Now, each one of those letters could be spelled out in numerous ways, but if you write it again, Yud Vav Dalit, Hey Hey, Vav Vav, Hey Hey, you get 52. And that shame, Havaya, called shame Ban, there are multiple Shemos, but that one, Hasidus explains that the shame ban has to do with the refinement of the body. And now we can understand more deeply the difference between the Avaida of Moshe and the Avaida of Pinchas. Now, why did we go down this path? Because we had said earlier that Pinchas and Yirmiyahu prompted the Jews to tshuva. And Pinchas got a very spectacular reward. And once we mentioned the spectacular reward, the Rebbe said, wait, what about Moshe It seems from the Torah that Pinchas got the spectacular award, reward because he saved B'nai Yisrael from obliteration. But didn't Moshe do that many, many times? So then the Rebbe went into explaining the difference between the Avaid of Moshe and the Avaid of Pinchas. And now, after giving us more information, he, he um, finishes this off, again going back to the two points, but more deeply. Moshe, al yudeit filosa de Kodesh Baruch Hu, pa'al, sh'ha Kodesh Baruch Hu yasir zagzer me'al b'nei Yisrael. 
Moshe, through his prayer to Hashem, caused that Hashem should take away the Gezerah that was upon Ben Israel. Like we've been saying, this is an overture from above downward. But Pinchas affected B'nai Yisrael's tshuva through his avoida, and through his avoida, he prompted their avoida, the derech momata lamayla. This came from below upward. And Beis. Eitzel Moshe, Mesir Sanefesh Hoysa Mitzad HaNeshama. As already said, for Moshe, the Mesir Nefesh was on the Neshama level. Ve'ilu Eitzel Pinchas Mitzad HaGuf. But for Pinchas, it was, he actually could have been killed. And therefore, the Rebbe says here in brackets, so interesting that the Zayar teaches that Pinchas actually redressed the sin of Nadav and Avil. Why? Because what was their hate? That they aroused themselves to obliteration of their soul to God, the leave taking of their soul to godliness. Their, their soul became subsumed in the source without their bodies having any chalik, having any part in this. Like we're taught, Srefas Neshama, the Guf Kayim, that Hashem took their neshama, but their bodies were not burnt at all. It's not that they died in a fire. They didn't die in a conventional fire. Their bodies were untouched. And this is because of the spiritual reality, that they did not allow their body, a chilek in their avodah. But through Pinchas putting his body into danger, shahaisa mitzad haguf, his Messias Nevesh's Mitzadagov, Nistakin Cheta. So through this, the hate of Nadav and that they allowed their souls to expire from their bodies, was redressed through Pinchas involving his body in his Avodah. But this is not the end of the discussion between the differences. Sifchas. Now we're going to look at the difference between these two modalities in their results. When you engage in Avoida, that is from the top going downward, or through revealing light, so while you are bringing down these lights while you're shining this laser focus it's true that the mata that the lower realm is illuminated and is filled with this revelation of light but because the lower realm is not itself refined in this modality it's possible that when the revelation of the lights from above will stop, so the lower realm will be left 
exactly the way it was before. So it's a transient, you could almost say it's a, um, not just superficial, but inauthentic uh, type of Avaida because there's no inner transformation. And in fact, the Rebbe says, this is what we saw in Matan Even though we're taught that what happened in Matan seized, um, got rid of the spiritual pollution, the spiritual impurity that plagued the Jews. But immediately afterwards, <laughs> there was the possibility for Cheta Egel to happen. And through Cheta Egel, the pollutants, the impurities returned. However, the Rebbe says, when the Avoida is from below going upwards, the lower realm itself is refined, is purified, and is elevated. And this is something that has a lasting effect. And therefore, the atonement that Pinchas effectuated was not just during his lifetime, as we learned in last week's Nimshach, but rather, this is a continuing atonement. It's something that continues to this day. And like the Sifri comments on the words, and he atoned for B'nai Yisrael, Sha'ad, Achshav, Loizaz. Until now, the Kapara still continues. I made Pinchas stands and affects atonement for the Jews until Tchiyas HaMesim, until Mashiach comes. And now we answer that question of why should Pinchas merit such spectacular reward when Moshe did not. But that explains that's why he got this spectacular covenant of peace. And it is not just for him, but for all of his seed after him. This was given, Nita le Pinchas Davka, because it's symmetrical, because it's mida connected mida, because Pinchas's work is eternal, enduring, and therefore he gets this enduring and eternal reward. And so he gets this covenant of peace without cease. It's something that's constant, eternal. Tess. Now we circle back to the original question. Based on everything we have learned in the intervening si'ifim between the Rebbe's question as to what on the most basic level is the um, sheared theme of Pinchas and Yermiyahu, so based on everything that the Rebbe explained, it's already been explained above, when the Rebbe explained this, the difference between Yermiyahu, the Rebbe reminds us that Yermiyahu lived in a time where B'nai Yisrael were rejected and Hashem was hidden. And Yermiyahu, in stark contradistinction, lived in a time of 
um, of, of, of revelation. And this is the this is the reason for the difference in their avodas. The avoda of Namaila Lamata was Yeshayahu, bringing down celestial lights, and the avoda of Yirmiyahu was to prompt Bnei Yisrael to tshuva. Was Lamata Lamaila, and the Rebbe now expounds. The avoid that comes from above and trickles downward is an avoid of giluyim, of revelation. And it's an avoid that has to do with the neshama, because as Rabbi has already explained to us, the neshama is the vehicle or the vessel or the conduit for receiving giluyim. And generally, this is the avoid when the base of it is just standing. When we're in a time of comfort, we're in a space of comfort. This is about when the celestial light irradiates the world in a manifest way. But the avoida of from below going upwards in Yana is askus bimata gufa. This avoida has to do with, with getting involved with the lower strata itself. The makayim in a space shall dechia behester when we're, we feel like we're being rejected and Hashem is hiding from us. Asher ba'avod dasoi ha'pratishal adam he avoda levar lozachich es aguf the nefesh of Bahamas bechol kavayim. So in the microcosmic avoda of each Jew, this is about refining and purifying our body, our nefesh of Bahamas, and our parcel of this world, meaning everything that belongs to us. We have to elevate and refine our clothing, our, our, all of our assets. That's called our chilek ba'olam. And more generally, zooming out on the macro level, hazman, more generally in this time, the avoida of golos is chorbana, is, is chorbana. More globally, we cannot back down in the face of the difficulties and the very many tests that will come our way because the gullus is so dark. Not only can't we back down, but our Aveda is to transform the darkness into light, like it says in Tehillim, that the night will, will be irradiated like it is day. So that's the avoida of nomata lamayla in our own personal lives and more globally. Now the Rebbe explains the deeper understanding in this factoid that the Medrash gave us to link Pinchas and Yermio, that they both were descended from non-Jewish families. And because of their lineage, B'nai Yisrael belittled them. It is in this 
seemingly superficial fact that we find expressed the link between them in their Aveda, the Nekuda Mishutafet, the, the, the central point that they share. Hain binagela atzmam, both in their personal Aveda, bir v'halas hamata shebhem mishpachas nachriya, both in their personal Aveda of elevating their background, their genetic background. They were both born into mishpachas nachriya, into non-Jewish family, and they elevated themselves. And with that came the elevation of their families. And also on the level of how they affected their surroundings, the world entire. This is so, I think, important for us to take to heart. They did not back down. They didn't look at the zilzal, at the way in which they were being abused by B'nai Yisrael. Without looking at that, they could have both said, you know what? B'nai Yisrael are acting so lousy to us. So lousy. Why should we concern ourselves with their spiritual level? No. They did not pay attention to the way in which they were being disparaged. And they spent their entire life and all of their kaychas to arouse B'nai Yisrael to truth. And this is different from the Avaida of Moshe. When you bring the light from above to below, the light can only reach and affect the, the lower strata that is not opposed to the light that is not impeding the light, that is not blocking the light. But if the lower strata is so low that it opposes the light, the only way for the light to effectuate that level is to break that level, to to render it malleable and reform it. But through the elevation that comes in the direction of below going upwards, in a way that affects a refinement and an elevation of the lower level itself, you're able to even refine the lower the lower aspects even those that oppose and um that affect a disparaging posture towards holiness and this darkness too is refined until it is transformed to light and now the rebbe is going to Give us the hayra. Can I do a question? Sorry. Yeah, right, but, question. yeah but before you go, Rahi, but one second, I just want to remind everybody that there's one more question the Chabba has not answered yet, which is what is the connection between the beginning of the Haftarah and the main content of the Haftarah, which is about the Chorban? And the Chabba will go back to answer that question. Rahi. 
You know, you would think that um, uh, the strength of the tzaddik, when a tzaddik brings mamala lamata, it has an effect that that's very, very, very deep. In other words, um, like Moshe Rabbeinu, okay, mamala lamata, but it's a tzaddik, it's Moshe Rabbeinu, that it affects, you know, to the to the lowest level. That's, so that's very, what we always learned. Yeah. But very quickly, let's reference that vignette that Yehuda Avner famously related many times and has been repeated many times. That the Rebbe, that when he asked the Rebbe, did you light my nishama or my, I can't remember the exact words, but did you light me up? The Rebbe said, I gave you the match. You have to light yourself up. And that's the Indian. And that's the chlal, the Indian, when you look at things, how the Rebbe empowered us Rebbe could have done everything by himself. But it's all in order that it should be Mamata We can come back to Fabring. I had a request that all the questions be after we finish the Sikha. And uh, as you could see, I, my, I usually I don't like to like shut down questions because I feel like it becomes a blockage to learning weiter. But um, I guess because this is taped and people listen. So we're going to, so, so, so put all the questions in the chat box or write them down so we don't shut them down. Just we'll, we'll, we'll learn the sikha and then we'll come back. Yud. Oh, by the way, if we're looking at, at, at how it's written out, Yud is the Milo, Yud Vav Dalit. Remember, we're talking about the Milo in the Shem Havaya, so you could see how it's written out. So the lesson in Avoyde Bepoel, Yesh Mi, there are people who their entire avoida is on the neshama level. They learn Torah. They learn, I'm sorry, their whole life is in inyane hanashama. They learn Torah, they daven. But they're not dedicated to doing avoida with the lower strata. That's not their focus, that the physical, material, corporeal aspects should be suffused with holiness. That's not their focus. Or zooming out on a more general level. You could have a person who, when it comes to himself, he actually does engage in, in all aspects, not just on the Shama level, but he understands that he does have to engage himself in spiritual service that affects his body and affects all of his assets, his but nevertheless, but still in all, he remains within his own Dalit Amis. He remains focused on his, his personal life. And he doesn't engage with other people with the chutzah, with outside of his confines. Yesh Ladas, Rebbe says, one has to know, it's very, very strong words here. That when you engage in this kind of spiritual service, it does not always last. It is not always enduring. It's true that when he is involved with his soul, he's learning, he's doing mitzvahs, he is then 
in a very exalted place. But afterwards, when he interfaces with aspects of the physical world, not only does he not elevate them, not only does he not elevate them, but they bring him down and they cause a coarsening of his personality or his persona. And this is true generally of what you might look at as the lower realm or outside. When a person sequesters himself in his own Dalit Amis, in his own personal space, he is in that time perhaps consummate in his service of Hashem. But if it so happens that he has to interface with the world, he has to leave his bubble, as it were, he has to go out. It is very possible that the outside of the bubble will bring him down. And therefore, it is demanded of a Jew that alongside his work, his soul work, his inner work, he should also engage with what is on the outside, on the periphery, even the aspects of the outside that are really low, there is nothing lower. A Jew has to affect the outside, even the lowest aspects of the outside, that they too should be vessels for the wellsprings of Torah and Mitzvahs. And this brings us back to understanding the Shaykhs. Okay, so on the basic level, the Shaykhs is that this, the Ben HaMitzarim, these three weeks are all about the destruction of the Batei Mikdash. But the Rebbe says, but, but this is on a deeper level, the connection between these Haftarahs and the Bein HaMitzarim, ha, which means between the straits. Let's not forget, why did Hashem send Bnei Yisrael to Golos? The reason is, that Bnei Yisrael should refine all aspects of the Golos. Until they transform them in such a way that the darkness is transformed to light. In other words, radical transformation. And that is the sole reason that we went into Golos. Because if it was to punish us, there are many other ways Hashem could have punished us. And here the Rebbe is circling back to, to answer the, the second question, which is what is the connection between the beginning of the Haftarah and most of the Haftarah, which is about the destruction. The beginning of the Haftarah, to remind ourselves, is a dialogue between Hashem and Yermio, where Hashem says, you're going to be a prophet. I even earmarked you to be a prophet before you were formed in utero. And he says, no, I can't. I don't know how to speak. I'm just a lad. And Hashem says, don't say that about yourself. You have greatness. So the Rebbe says, Yud Aleph, once you tell a Jew how, <laughs> what a big job they have, the Jew will push back and say, a Jew can taina, a Jew can claim, 
how will I be able to overcome such darkness that is a time when we seem to be rejected and Hashem is obfuscated? I, I don't have it in me. And it's not just that you're asking the Jew not to be overcome by the darkness, not to back down in the face of darkness. You're asking the Jew to change and transform the the darkest and the most sad and difficult of times to a time of great joy and happiness. So the Jew says, Abishta, I'm not up for the task. And so the Abishta answers, The Abishta answers each one of us in the beginning of the Haftarah, the first Haftarah of the Bein HaMitzarim. HaMagdima, that is prefaced, L'Sipor HaParonasa HaYichus Shalimiyahu, that prefaces the story of the of the korban of, of of the negativity that's going to befall us that is prefaced with mention of Yemiyahu's yichus of his lineage that he's ben chilkiyo minakehanim that Yemiyahu was a son of chilkiyo a great man who was descendant of kehanim and the beginning of the haftarah tells us a whole story about how he feared to become a nevua a, a, a navi i'm sorry and he feared becoming a Navi to all the nations. And Hashem answered him, Do not fear from before them, because I am with you. Hashem is with him. Hashem is with Yemiel, Hashem is with each one of us, the Rebbe is telling us, and gives us the necessary kaychis to be able to affect all the nations and all of the kingdoms and to transform them. And this is true for each one of us. That without looking, in other words, we can't focus on how dark and how concealed Hashem is in this mind, in this time of Golos. In the face of all this darkness, know ye that Hashem is giving you from above all the kaychas that you need to transform the darkness and transform the obfuscation. The Rebbe says, Yodua, it's known, that the descent of the neshama into this world, is really the whole idea of the neshama going into Golos. No matter when the neshama comes into this world, no matter which era. And so all of this transpires in each one of our small worlds, our micro worlds, each person experiences this coming down and going into Galus. When the Neshama descends into the three negative happenings, okay? This is, this is the term that is used regarding the three Haftayas. 
but the Rebbe is telling us what does this parallel in the descent of the neshama? It parallels al gimul The neshama has to descend from on high, and it has to pass through elam bria yitzira and asiya. The beginning of the antecedents of evil on the most subtle level, on the most darkestic level, already happens in Bria. This is because Bria is the first station where something other than godliness can exist. And so when there's already something other, even if it's the holiest of angels, it's already the beginning of Ra, of the possibility, the potential for Ra, for fissure with godliness. So when the neshama has to go into the level of Bria, there's a, a fear and a dread that befalls the neshama. However, how in the world will the neshama be able to fulfill its mission, her mission and her work? This is already something that the neshama begins to feel in the Eilam Abriya. So because of the fear and the dread that feels the neshama, even before she comes down into this world. So therefore comes the hayra, the comes the lesson, comes the answer. At the very beginning of the first of the three haftairas, at the very beginning of the descent of the neshama through the three worlds, what does the Abish just say there? Before I even formed you in, in the stomach, I knew you. I knew for what I earmarked you. And before you emerged from the womb, I, I sanctified you. I made you a, a prophet for the nations. Don't fear your shlichus. To be a prophet to the nations. Which includes the avoida of refining the goy that is within you. The Rebbe says, charity begins at home. First you have to be a, a prophet to your own goy, the Nefesh Bahamas. Esaguf, the Nefesh Bahamas, the Chalk First be a Navi on your own situation. And now the Rebbe kind of further expounds. Aleph, Biterem et Sarcha Beveten Yidatiha. Before I formed you in the stomach, I knew you. Yesh Becha, Yesh Becha, I think, Neshama Kadesha. You have within you a holy soul. Chelek Elaka Mimal Mamash. An actual, a veritable aspect of God above. And the, the source of the soul is higher than the source of where you came down. 
In other words, before I formed you, before I brought you down, I gave you a soul that comes from a higher place. Not only do you have a holy soul, but in addition to that, I have sanctified you. When I placed you in the bowels of your mother, before you came out of the womb, your soul was taught all of the Torah. And this is Hikdashticha. And although it's true that at the moment that the child is born, a malach comes and causes the soul to forget the entire Torah, this is just on the revealed level that a yid forgets the Torah. But on the innermost level, the entire Torah, the knowledge of the entire Torah remains with the Jew. And it gives him the kayach, it gives him the capability that when he is down in this world, he should also be able to learn Torah the way he learned Torah in the bowels of his mother. But the neshama still continues to counter and to push back and to say, I don't know how to speak. I'm just a lad. The neshama pushes back and says, okay, okay, I hear what you're saying. I understand that on a deeper level, I have the whole Torah. But on the topical level, I'm just a lad. I don't know much. And I understand, true, that when it comes to the soul, when it comes on the innermost level, I have enough inner capabilities not to be overwhelmed and not to back down from the world and to learn Torah and to do my Avodah. But when it comes to me affecting the world, when it comes to me being a prophet for the nations, when it comes to me speaking, but you want me to affect the whole world? You want me to transform myself and the whole world? I'm, I'm just a lad. I, I, I lack the capabilities. So Hashem answers, don't say you're a lad because I sent you for a particular purpose and therefore you will go for that purpose and do not fear before them because I am with you. Not only does each Jew have an ashama, and not only does a yid have the kayach that comes from having learned the entire Torah while he was still in Yudvaro, but also afterwards, after we're born, 
when we are in this lower realm, when the neshama is found in its inner golos, because once the neshama comes into a guf, that's already a level of golos, and then bismana golos, and then there's the next overlay of golos, which is that we are in an era of golos now. In that time, Hashem says, I am with you. I am giving you kaiches from above. You'll be able to fulfill everything I sent you for. You'll be able to affect nations. You'll be able to affect sovereign countries. And you'll be able to do it in two ways. And now the Rebbe goes back to those words that the Ebesha said to Yirmiyahu. You'll be able to do it in the negative you'll be able to uproot, to crush, to eradicate, and to destroy. And you'll also be able to do this in the positive modality, to build and to plant. In other words, you're fully loaded with the kaychas that I have endowed you with. You can do this. You got this. And even more, and on top of this, Hashem warns, Al Techas Mipnehem, do not fear them, Pen lest I break you before them. Very strong words. Al The Rebbe says, Don't even let it come to your mind. Don't even entertain the thought that you can satisfy yourself with just saving your spiritual situation. I will just save my own soul. But I'm not going to engage with the world because I'm just a lad. Who am I? Rebbe says, don't even go there. If you are found in a body and you have a Nefesh Bahamas, and you're found in this corporeal, physical world, then the situation of the world is relevant to you. And if you want to prevent being torn apart before them, do not fear them. Do not fear from making the world into a dwelling place for Hashem. And through doing Avoidah in this way, we will be very, very soon. That Eliyahu, which is Pinchas, will let us know the good tidings about Mashiach's coming. He will redeem us with the redemption that is true and complete. And look at footnote 58. This will be a lasting geula with no gulas coming afterwards. And in accordance with what was explained above in the Sicha, we can understand more deeply that the Geula that Moshe affected because it was Milmaila Lamata, 
there was gullus afterwards. But Elio Zupinchas connected to Yermio, this is all the Avoidam Milmata Limaila. Therefore, this will be the Geula Amitis, the Geula Shlema, because it will be the Avoidam of Milmata Limaila, of from below going upward. So, no excuses. Baba <laughs> gave it to us very straight. We cannot back down, we cannot fear. This is what we've got to do, and we will be successful in Matishim. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Any questions? Can I make one comment a little bit? Yeah, please. Um, the question that was raised last week yeah, about yeah. how could it be that the Yidden would sin with, uh, with Balpur and uh, when they were in such a high level in the Midbar. Mm -hmm. relate answered a little bit in this sicha when we're talking about Maisha bringing Mala Lamata, and here was the time when Maisha was at the end of his life, and maybe there wasn't so much of Hashbami Mala Lamata, and therefore they were able to sin. I think you're absolutely correct, and I don't know that it has so much to do with with Maisha coming to the end of his life, but in the source that Esther Friedman put on the chat from Chelek Dalit, Reb explains there that as the Jews approached Eretz Yisrael and as they approached um, a time where they would have to invest themselves in the physical, material, corporeal aspects of living, that, that's how the sin arose because they started to kind of switch to a different mindset. Um, but, but your point that you're making is spectacularly spot on. Maisha is all about Mamaila Lamata. So it can't, suffuse the Jews, it can transform them ultimately. And so it, 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 there's a possibility for sin. Thank you for that. Thank you, Thank you for all of this. Okay, call of everybody. Wondering, when you were saying there was a point made there about that Pinchas till today um, were being forgiven because of Pinchas but we actually do say Salah Tikit Varecha. Isn't that from Maisha? That is from Maisha. Yeah. We don't say your comes Yom Kippur, the day of forgiveness. That we use Maisha's words, not Pinchas. We're not we're not trying to mitigate the greatness of Maisha or what Maisha was able to accomplish, all the greatness, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Like come Navi Kamisha, it doesn't take away. But there's something about the Aveda of Milmata Lamaila that's different, that's, that permeates, that transforms, and that is enduring and eternal. And, and there's a time for this and a time for that. There's a need for this and a need for that. It's always a binary. One doesn't negate the other. No, for sure, for sure. We're not saying that Moshe has a shalom. For sure not. Okay.